watch Ocean just came on earlier. Charlie. They do when they approve your loan. What is it? Whatever that term is, I need that to be my pronoun. My girls will go out to one lady's night. That's it. They can go back with a rule book and everything. And then one book coming to me. And then. All right. Are y'all going to kill me if I say, do we throw Michael when he got the skin color change? Nope. I demand it. Nope. I'm walking off. I'm walking off the stroke. No, I've got to be a stroke. No, no, no. No, thank you. I was just asking a question. We have to talk not about just individual behaviors, but about the system, right? So for, for the believers, it's just like, I have to believe, you know, the God in her, just like she has to believe it in me. Yo, 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 what's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome back to Let's Chop It Up. Please follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Like and subscribe and tell a friend to tell a friend. About four brothers there here on this YouTube channel. My brother from another mother, man. It's been seven whole days again, man. Chop it up with you, brothers. Derek, I see you over there chopping it with your mouth. You're eating. What's going on with you, man? Man, I'm trying to get caught up on this uh, on this, on this, this dinner, man. I, my, my schedule has been hectic, been crazy. Excuse me for a minute, y'all. Don't get a chance to eat. Come in here, try to do what I got to do, and get on here and, and chop it up with y'all and everybody. Uh, highlight of my week. Normally, highlight of my week. This last week was very, very special. My anniversary, 15 years with my lovely, lovely wife. Celebrated that on Friday. Congrats. As well as her birthday on Monday, Memorial Day. So we had um, some very, very... Uh, you know, very well deserved, I think, and certainly I um, look forward to uh, time together uh, at a uh, undisclosed location. All right, and um, and you know, just got a chance to unplug. You know what I mean? So, um, and I swear, as soon as we finish that, man, <laughs> the world is right back on top of you, bro. <laughs> so that's just the way it is, you know. But um, but we're doing well. Everything's good. Uh, missed you guys a lot, man. Uh, hey, E. Ortiz, check it in already evening, honey. And Shauna, what's going on? What's up? What's Always up? good to see you. And I'm really excited about the show we got tonight. Got some got wonderful guests on. Um, and we're doing our thing, man. You know, um, looking forward to seeing you guys again. Um, and that's about it, man. Damien, I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give it to my boy Damien, man. What's going on with you, brother? Yo, thank you for that. Um, I'm happy to see everybody. Happy to see the the, the supporters and the comments. Um, you just gave me a great idea. We might need to talk about like maybe the top five cookout foods or black entrees oh, or sides that we might need to do a list on that. One of the shows. Listen, you my know, wife... we might have to do that. That's gonna be a dope conversation. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you know, the potato salad with the raisins may not make the list, but it no, could be a may not. <laughs> <You said> may not. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
trying to be playing. No, that's that's ain't making that shit. Oh man, cornbread gotta make it. Cornbread, cornbread gotta make it. We got to save it. We save it. We save it. See, we go. We gonna have a conversation on that because cornbread one of my favorite, but it ain't gonna make my list of top five. Oh wow, five. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, man. I had you know a trying week, but uh, I'm I'm happy to be here. Uh, the Heat did what I thought they was gonna do and win that last game seven because Boston. I don't know. They just uh, <laughs> I don't. They don't look like they like to play with each other. Like they don't like each other on the court. Like they're not having fun with each other on the court, which is which is sad. And um, you know, I just wanted to bring this up. Ime Udoka is gonna be uh coaching in Houston right now and there's the jokes is already flying about like hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your girl hide your... <laughs> oh my god the strip club ain't gonna have no wings the strip club ain't gonna have no wings they ain't gonna need wings they gonna need more strip now let me stop anyway um, so I'm excited to, for him to get another opportunity because you know he is a good coach you know people make mistakes we want to um, give people the opportunity to show um, that they can uh not repent, but do better after making a mistake. They can learn from it and grow. Um, outside of that, I'm doing all right. Uh, taking some time, relaxing. This week has been trying, but but feel like I'm looking forward to the future and excited. I'm excited to talk to the guests. Uh, somebody I met in the last couple of months, great guy. Looking forward to this conversation. He's doing great work with the youth. Um, I'm going to pass it off to the... Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of a great title for you. Like we, we gotta call you like Chief Sweat's mentor. Like you taught him how to be fly. Like you, you, you maybe got him his first number. Like you wingmaned him to get his first number. Now he's every song he sing you wrote type of thing. Like that's we gonna we gonna we gonna big you up, Kelvin. How's it going? How was your week? I'm good, man. Everything is cool. It's been a pretty chill week. Uh, not much going on. Uh, much like yourself, I've been watching the the finals the you know eastern conference finals and i have to say um i'm not looking forward to the finals man because i just think i just think it's going to be a wash i just think Denver is going to wash miami but um you know that was cool you know i was thinking about something the other day um as we get older and you know your your circle of friends may change or something i want to know is there a shelf life to friendships you know i'm just thinking about that great question you know, we gotta I mean? maybe like, that might be next show. We might have to, yeah, like, make we might have to check that out because you know, as you grow and evolve and separate and, and more time elapses and you don't interact and things like that, I think some of us may be on friendships retroactively because we we yeah. knew people years ago. If you met that same person today, you may not be friends with them. You're friends because of your history, so that may be yeah. something that we could talk about. I was just thinking how the circles change. You got some people that are just always there for you. You can pick up the phone, and if you ain't talking twenty years, you're still right where you are. Some people it just yeah. doesn't work. So I was just thinking about that. But other than that, I mean, life is good. I'm I'm appreciative of of peace in my life. I'm appreciative of, of every day. And so um, for that, I'm always glad to be here and let's chop it up to, to get with the fellas. And I've got to just make sure that I push the ball up the court, across the half court line to the originator, the point guard, number one in your program, scroll master flex. What up, what up, D? Talk to what me, up, what's man? the deal? And life is good, man. Things are really good. I can't complain, man. It's my birthday month. 
Juneteenth, baby, you know what I mean? My pro black ass was born on the right day. And <laughs> so, all right, things are good, man. I'm gonna can't complain, man. Like you said, born peace. And that's what you want from people and stuff like that. Um, my completion on my house is almost done with the, some of the renovations. About the, I, nice. I just realized I added another project. I'm about to add on to it. But um, me and Kevin had this conversation, man. And I was shocked this week when I learned that Dr. Umar was giving up on black folks. With doing his construction of his building, he said I had to get some black because I'm trying to black contractors. He had to go to the white boys to complete the job. Uh, and I and knew me, Kelvin. You talk, you and I talked about this. I try every time to give it, give it, give it. And Umar said he's gonna go back for the when they do the sec, the high school. He will try to give black contractors again. But man, I ain't got a lot. I got the white boys in my house. I should looking really nice, bro. <laughs> And they on, and they, and they they on, on top. They on time. Yeah. The time I'm going to work day out my house. Ain't nobody here. I'm like, damn, I like this, man. This is yeah. different, man. I say, yo, I give him a list of what things need to be done. He writes down the list, and they go right out. And I came back today, the shit was done. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, I hate that you had to find out this way, brother. <laughs> they had to give nobody no ride or nothing, right? No ride. It had to be like I, this. I had to go get it myself. And like, he just wrote, yeah. okay, he wrote a whole list, and they went out. He said, right there. Yo. That's I hate to tell you, brother. Yo, whoa! I got another. I got another question now. I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, no, no. That was it. But go ahead, go ahead. You know how you the the what's the Barry White song? Uh, Let's just kiss and say goodbye. When he's like, this might be the hardest thing I gotta say. Like, what <laughs> what do you say when you gotta like break up with the black contractor with the black like you know the people your people you gotta tell them look you gotta over. say you like, know what it is you already know <laughs> now, but, <laughs> they but tell today, no is. here go the thing here go the thing so today I had another brother come in John and Eddie his work looked phenomenal brother so I might I might give him the basement shower shower I think I'm gonna give him the basement shower it's it's, it's 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 nice when you when you give the brother a little something. I look, I tried. You know what I'm saying? I tried to work with my people. I tried, but I already I already know what it is. Brother, why you didn't show up today? It's raining. I mean, you know. So. But you indoors working. I mean, yeah, right. like that, like yo. Yep. You indoors though, man. How, how's the rain affect you, man? Let me tell you just last thing. Many years ago, we had this this tournament for the church basketball league, and this was a championship game. I couldn't make it because I had to be at the church. I send a brother to take the uniforms to the Elm Corps Center on Northern Boulevard. I'm like, hey man, just take the uniforms because the kids gotta, you know, they need the uniforms to play. The kids are calling me going crazy. They're about to disqualify us, so we ain't got the uniforms. I call a dude. I'm like, yo, what? where's the uniforms at? It was traffic on the Van Wick, so I just went home. Damn. Yep. So I realized at that moment, my book, my people <laughs> don't know how to act. That's when it started, right there. And then I came out to the sequel, My People Just Don't Know How to Act. And then the trilogy is My People Still Don't Know How to Act. So those, that's, that's what it is. But I digress. You know, still power to the people. Power to the people. It's the reboot. They not my people no more. Since we're talking about not giving up, my man Kelvin still got a handball career he's trying to do, right? So Kelvin, Talk to us about the handball. Let's or do we want to just go to the clip, Jamie? What you want to do first? Want to intro?
<laughs> I want to say this. I want to say this. So tonight, um, Jamie has been so kind to let me announce my official retirement from the game. Um, I wanted to do it on Let's Chop It Up. I know uh, ESPN and a couple of different outlets have been contacting me all day, but it's just I, I would be remiss if I did not break the story here on Let's Chop It Up. So I want to, first of all, thank God. Um, without him, there's no me. Then I got I got to thank my father. Because without him, there's no me. And also, he's the one that taught me the game and my grandfather who taught him the game. So it's been history. Um, I'll just say this. Uh, if you remember um, many years ago when there used to be this big debate, who's better in their sport, uh, Michael Jordan or Kelvin or, or Kelvin <laughs> or Tiger Woods, when you used to have that debate or whatever like that, I never wanted to get into it um, because I, I respected what they were doing. Um, when I started playing handball back in 1987, Handball was never shown on on uh, NBC or ABC or CBS. It was, handball wasn't on. There was no pay per view handball events back then, you know. And then what I did was I came, I came and I globalized the game, as as, as a lot of people know. So tonight is is bittersweet sweet for me. Um, my right shoulder just won't do it anymore. Um, First, first of all, I promised myself I wasn't going to cry. That's the first thing. Secondly, um, I always want to – I have to thank the fans. I have to thank the fans because a lot of times when I would go to these parks and, and you know, the fans sitting there, I'd see the kids that didn't have tickets to come see me and they outside crying and things like that. I wanted to make sure that my security always embraced them. You know what I'm saying? Don't keep them away from me. <laughs> That's the main thing. You know what I'm saying? So I, I wanted to make sure, you know. And so so I'll, I'll just say this. Um, you know, I, I estimated what my record was. It's some, something about it's 300 wins and I think about six losses. And, um, you know, it was it was really, really, Debatable. really it was, it was tough, losses. It was it was it was a tough, tough decision uh, for me to make. But um, I want to thank the fans. I want to thank everybody. Um, all the years, you know, even the scalpers out there and things like that. I didn't agree with it. I got a shout out. Um, the Italian community down by the Verrazano Bridge. I got I got to shout out, you know, all of the, the Puerto Rican community um, in the Bronx and 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 to the, the crew in East Harlem, uh, you know, many of which I beat. Um, I just want to thank them. And um, I, I will never forget. Um, of, of course, I know the sport's going to suffer without me. Of course, I know, you know, I raised the bar and, and people are going to lose interest in, in, you know, the sport will probably crumble in my absence. But I love it enough where I want to be an ambassador for the sport. And I want kids to play. I, the other day, Derek, I'm walking past the park, and I see the kids, and when they notice it was me, of course, they start crying and going crazy and stuff like that. But I signed every single handball, every single glove. I even signed the wall and things like that. So that's what it's about for me. So I want to thank everybody for all these years, um, everything that I contributed to the sport. People always say, uh, Kelvin, um, you know, are you the best ever? 
I don't think that's the question. The question is, why was I the best ever? And and yeah. I think the answer is is the dedication. I think that's what it is. So tonight, um, I've played my last game, and I want to thank Les Chop It Up. I want to thank you guys, everything like that. And first of all, I want I got to shout out my boy Lando Young. He was my first partner, and when I say that, I mean that in the traditional sense. And and secondly, I, I want to thank I want to thank um, the, the crew from Let's Chop It Up. You guys every week sit here. And, and tolerate greatness. And I respect that. You know what I'm saying? I respect that because it, it's, it's it's pressure on you. You guys got to go home to families. That's like, oh, can we meet them and stuff like that? And yes, the answer is yes. Anybody that knows Damon or Damien or Derek, yes, you will always be able to get an autograph or picture regardless. You know, it just depends on how, how my schedule is working. But yes, always. So I just want to say, I want to say again, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I want the game to continue. Thank you so much. And thank you for this opportunity. I just, want, I, I just want to say, you yeah. know, this is this is important because you hear what he said, the humble. He never cheated the game. He wasn't going from team to team chasing championships. He played the game the way it was supposed to play. He didn't cry about coaches or teammates or the refs. He went out there and fought every single night, 82, like 161 games. Yeah, I mean, I grew up watching you, so I understand like how you inspired people. I remember the slide with the with the with the underhand hook, and I was like the sound. It for me growing up, you think about some of the amazing moments in sports history. People talk about that Jordan shot where he pushed the dude. See that that's not that's not playing the right way. You push somebody, that's you taking advantage of. You know what I mean? But if somebody could just stand up straight up and say, "Bring it." And I'm going to bring what I bring. And at the end of the day, I walk and stand tall and I win. That is, to me, the sign of a true champion. It's trying sign of a true competitor. It's it's so important for young people nowadays who, you know, they want to cry. They want to go play with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. They want to they want to go, you know, be drafted by uh, the Chiefs. They they don't they don't want to do they don't want to work hard. They don't want to put the effort in. They're divas at the age of 10. It's, it's like, what, what is this? This is too much right now. We need pure athletes and competitors back taking charge of the game, being the ambassadors that show and, and, and inspire people to achieve the type of the greatness that humans are capable of. The profundity which this band speaks. Damien, I have to tell you I just wanted brother. to say that. I just wanted to say my thanks. I just want to share my piece. I'm sorry for taking up all this time. I know y'all all have no, a lot to say. You know, I know Take the fans time, out there cheering and they 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 chatting. I just wanted to make sure that that you had to get your flowers. You had to have somebody express their gratitude to your humbleness and greatness Thank at the man. same time. My that's, brother, that's let me tell you something. We had to talk because you you have, you were spot on. That's all I say. <laughs> I can't add that to it. That's all. I say. You, you, you already brother. did the work. I'm just I, speaking. I I'm just speaking from experience. You know what I'm saying? You already did the work. The work is in there. <laughs> Hey, I appreciate. You. I got something to say. I ain't got shit to say. This scroll, get the scroll ready. Just get it ready, please. <laughs> yes. Get it ready, Negro, please. <laughs> got six fans. Damien made fucking. Okay, I hate to, I hate to do this, but those I said earlier, if somebody knows Demond, Damien, or Derek, they get autograph. I'm gonna have to redo that. I meant Damien and Derek. I have to. Do I didn't want to have to. Do that. I want. But now, now, I now that, that jersey, that jersey that I had mailed, uh, when it comes there, D, just send it back. Just, just do return. I put a return envelope. Return to sender. Their handball court will now turn into a cricket court. You better learn how to play cricket. Shit is over. But anyhow, let's go. Let's get into what we got here, man. Oh, here we go. Here we go. 
activists calls for a boycott after Greenville Juneteenth <laughs> event banner spurs controversy. Jamie, can you play the clip for us, please? Clock an event banner in downtown Greenville now sparking controversy. Now, this is the banner by a nonprofit organization that's hosting Juneteenth event. Uh, the sign reads an upstate celebration of freedom, unity, and love. It shows a white man and woman, as you can see. As Fox Carolina's Kennedy Harris tells us, the public perception might not be what organizers anticipated. Yeah, that's right. This controversy all started with one picture of one banner circulating on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. It started yesterday and has since spread hundreds of posts, thousands of comments and many more questions. I was appalled. Uh, I was sad and I was angry. Greenville activist Bruce Wilson has hosted Juneteenth events in Greenville since 2020. Although he's not hosting this year, he says the day should be celebrated by everyone as it marks the day a Union general informed the last enslaved black Americans they were free two years after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. We have to remember what Juneteenth is about. It's about freedom. It's about the freedom of slaves. And to Wilson, this banner is misrepresentation. I'm the first to say that white America can celebrate Juneteenth. I just don't think white America should be the face of Juneteenth. And, and I think that's where the disconnect is. He's not the only one. Hundreds of people took their frustrations to social media. The banner is promoting Juneteenth Greenville, a nonprofit hosting a series of events, including a mega fest on June 17th. It's one of 50 banners downtown. The other banners depict different ethnicities, including black, white, and Hispanic. They didn't want to go on camera with us, but organizers tell me their vision is to promote diversity and inclusion. Since this is a privately organized event, not sponsored by the city, when asked for comment, officials said briefly, the city is not organizing or managing the event. One, I'm asking that this event be boycotted if they do not feel the need to remove this banner. Secondly, I'm asking everybody to call the city manager and voice your concerns about this particular banner. And the organizers told me they stand by their vision and decisions for this event. They are preparing a statement to release within the next 24 hours. We'll bring it to you on air and at foxcarolina.com. <laughs> who, who, who going first? Because they're trolling. It's obvious they're trolling, bro. Nah, nah, they nah, they're trolling. nah. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. That they said that it's not obviously it's not a city, it's not a city organized event, it's a private, you know, whatever put together, man. So it's somebody privately funded, they're putting it together and they trolling, bro. They just waiting to get people started, man. I'm trying to tell you. That's that's you're giving them think, too man. much, you're giving yeah, them too yeah, much yeah. grace. Right. Way okay, too much. You, I respect you, I respect your opinion right, always. You you're giving them way too much grace. What do you think? They said they want to promote diversity and inclusion. On a day that is supposed to acknowledge and empower black people's right. freedom from enslavement. Do they right. do that for St. Patrick's Day? Do no. they do that? Do they show black people drinking and wearing green on St. Patrick's Day? Do they do they do that on other holidays? No, they, do they don't. show people. Right. Oh, I just want to no, know they if they have a track record no. of showing no, multiculturalism every holiday, then I might give them that grace. But I feel like they've only done it for Juneteenth and this is opinion, right? Yeah, I haven't researched no, you're right. it. You're but right. I would bet money. And I have a couple friends probably watching right now that probably bet a couple thousand that they've only done this diversity and inclusion thing for Juneteenth where they wanted to show people of all the different spectrums and, and beliefs and races and all this other stuff. It's like, oh, yeah. I know, I know what, what about. that is. I can tell you exactly what it's about. They want that buyback. That's why they there. 
<laughs> want the pot back. <laughs> That's right. Come on back. That's right. Those yeah, y'all found out late anyway. Good. We'll buy back at half price. That's what it is. No, I mean, I, I, I think people are never, ever sensitive to things that celebrate us exclusively. I don't think people feel there is the exclusivity to us when it comes to positive things. When it's positive things, it's by committee. It's, it's a bandwagon thing. If it's something negative, it's just straight up them. And that's what it is. And I'm going to say, honestly, other minority groups ride on the coattails of the civil rights movement, get what oh, they yeah. want, and then when it's time to separate, quick to, to be out. And so that's what it is. So we've been everybody's magic carpet ride at times. So I understand what the brother's saying. And, um, you know, I think people need to be sensitive to that and, and understand that. And I think he makes a good point when he says the face of it has to be, it has to represent. If you did it, nobody does anything regarding the Holocaust unless they follow the lead of that community. That community will dictate and determine how it is represented. That is it. There is no room or margin of gray area or interpretation. It's just how it is. He said and imagine words. if somebody tried it the way they did. Banners all up and down the streets. Yeah, if you they had the Holocaust, what? you put two black people up there, that's it for your business. That's it. Yeah. But, that's, but, but that's my point. They're they also trying to... They, whoever's doing it, they're trying to get a rise out you, man. They are. They're trying to get a rise. They're doing it order. That's that's my point. They're doing it, you know, purposely, man, to get a rise out you, man. You know, because no. there's, no, there's no other way that I could see it otherwise, I, man. I, you know? I saw, I saw another interview. With some of the the, pe the black people that put that post up, with some black folks actually did, right? And their whole thing was like, like you said, the inclusion. All that. And then these black folks, I'm like, yo, but brother, like Damien said, the Irish parade, Puerto Rican Day parade, they celebrate their own culture. Here's my thing, and I lived in South Carolina, Sam contested it. If the Confederate flag, when they do them planned marches, all that shit, you think they're gonna have some black folks on there, like, yo, with only pictures and shit, have it posted oh, no. banners? Nah, they ain't gonna do that shit. They only fuck, with, they only play with us. We allowed them to play with us. You gotta stop allowing them to play with us. Don't play with us no more. I agree. You know, so agree. They, and stop. and if they're doing it to get a rise out of it, they need to get the full rise. We need Man. to shut it down. <laughs> we up. need to get yeah, up and shut it down. Yeah, yeah. You know, respectfully. Yeah. Forget a boycott, man. There needs to be a protest. You know what I'm saying? Nah, so, you know. we just need to burn all of them. You know what? Nah, man. Yeah, protest. Yeah. <laughs> that word. That's funny. That's funny. Let me see what we are. Yeah, you're right. We got uh oh we got another brother here, man. Uh Scotty Pippen opens up on a relationship with Michael Jordan. Jamie, can you play the clip for us, please? You have a lot of criticism about The Last Dance. I thought it was a great documentary. I felt like the documentary only told a story that sort of glorified him as a player and not glorified us as a team. You call Michael Jordan selfish in the first chapter. Why is that? I mean, uh, he was a great scorer, but a lot of things that he did uh, was based on uh, him as an individual. And I think basketball is a team game. Michael Jordan is the greatest player to ever put on shoes and play in our game. No doubt about it. Uh, no game that I would ever play in and pick LeBron James over Michael Jordan. No game. No game. So now you're just being Not if I'm trying to win. Not if I'm trying to win. I mean, I'm not going to give up my teammate who I won six championships with and go and start fishing in a pond thinking I'm going to catch a bigger and better fish. LeBron will be the greatest statistical guy to ever play the game of basketball. And there's no comparison to him. None. So, does that make him the greatest player to ever play the game? I'll leave that out for debating because I don't believe that there's a great player because our game is a team game and one player can't do it. Like, I seen Michael Jordan play before I came to play with the Bulls. You guys seen him play. 
He was a horrible player. He was horrible to play with. He was all one-on-one. He's shooting bad shots. And all of a sudden, we become a team and we start winning. Everybody forgot who he was. I regret not giving my condolences to Michael Jordan at the passing of his father. Michael Jordan never even thought about that until he saw me. And then he realized, wait a minute. That was intentional. You didn't give me condolences on purpose. I didn't even think about this. He's crossed the line. Him and Jordan, it's over. Take it from me. It's over. Can I just say I'm not taking nothing from Stephen A. That's it. Okay. Okay, first of all, I'll say this. Scottie Pippen used to be almost the the poster child for being Robin. Okay, he he was he was the best number two I've ever seen in anything across the board. Uh, the problem is he's just not Batman, and no matter what it is, people have to understand their position. He right now is tarnishing to me his legacy. Obviously, this seems very very personal. He had a problem with the Last Dance, the way he was depicted. Um, and I think also this thing with, with his uh, ex-wife dating um, Michael Jordan's son. Now, I was talking to my nephew about it. He's like, no, nah, he knows what type of woman she is. He says, I said, doesn't matter. They have children. They have children together. You have ch- children with somebody else. It's different. And that's got to be embarrassing. And I think all of those things play into <laughs> this. But to say that, to say that um, Michael Jordan was a horrible player. Michael Jordan came into the league and was rookie of year his first year. Michael Jordan averaged 28 points per game. Scottie Pippen, his first year, averaged seven points a game. The reality of it is, is Michael Jordan has done more for Scottie than Scottie has done for Jordan. Now, they've won six rings. They're the only two players that were on all six of those Bulls championships. Michael Jordan has, has repeatedly said that Scottie Pippen, he does not win those rings without Scottie. Why now, over 20 years later, Scottie Pippen feels this need to come out there and bash Michael Jordan, it makes no sense. So what Scottie Pippen has done, Scottie Pippen has now isolated the Jordan fans. A lot of a lot of Bulls fans that were primarily Jordan fans now have disdain for him, you know. And so I think there's a couple of things that, first of all, the fact that he felt he didn't get enough credit, he's voicing it now. It shouldn't be voiced to the media. Um, it, th- those things just make Scottie look bad. You know, and I, I, I think he needs to be responsible for that, his own actions. The other thing is this. The people in his life who watched Scottie Pippen grow his hair out and didn't say nothing. And, and they, <laughs> no, they, they let him down. No, they, they're to blame, too. They're to Look blame. Look like old-ass Smokey Robinson. <laughs> oh, my God. They're, 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 they're to blame, too. Twisted out. Facts. But all I say is this. If, if, if you played with Michael Jordan, except being number two, if you were in the Jacksons, except being number two. If you was in Destiny's Child, except being number two. It's just what it is. You just were around somebody that was just greater. So don't be upset with it. Ride with it. And that's what Scotty used to be able to do. People would be like, yo, you the Scotty Pippen or something, right? He was the Robin. And that's just what it is. And so now I think he's upset, but there's different reasons. But he's completely wrong. And Scotty Pippen's embarrassing himself right now. I got to disagree. Respectfully, I got to disagree. I think he was out of line with saying Jordan was a horrible player. I don't think at any point in his career, Jordan was a horrible player. He might not have been as great as he was at one point, like in the Wizards. That's real. I don't think he was a horrible player, but I also do believe Scottie Pippen doesn't get enough credit. How much credit? There is a lot of talk. He should get a lot. 
I mean, Magic Johnson said that though. Magic, wait, wait, wait. Magic Johnson did say it himself. They put Scotty on me. It changed the whole series. That's how they won. They were not gonna win with Jordan guarding Magic. But who denied that though? No, no, no. But the truth is, the Last Dance is a documentary. Scotty Pippen was the number, but they the, the the contract he took it was a bad contract. It was team friendly. Some of those things should be made clear in a doc in a I don't think they make documentaries anymore. It's just an opinion. They just like to do sensationalized pieces and label it a documentary. You have to tell the whole story. Michael Jordan didn't win without Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen didn't win without Michael Jordan. But Michael but Jordan's also, always said that. Yeah, but you know, they they the way people speak about it, the way it's reported, the way they talk about Michael Jordan is you could have put 15 Scott Brooks on the team with him and he would have won 73 games. And that's not true. We know that, but that's the way he's spoken of. And it, it, it to me, it diminishes the, the greatness of the people he had on his team. Those Bulls teams were considered some of the greatest teams of all time. But so if you, problem, just say, if you just put Michael Jordan on any team, that it, but the way they speak about it is if you put Michael Jordan on any team, they become one of the greatest teams of all time. But Damien, you're but doing the, the same thing my was, nephew does. You're, you're arguing perception. What I'm saying is this. Michael Jordan has said, and this has come from Michael Jordan, you can't worry about what's said in the barbershops. Michael Jordan said, I don't win those six rings without Scotty. Then Scotty comes out and said he was a horrible player. So I'm saying man to man, Scotty is the one, you know, having this attack, not Mike. But Mike, Mike said that, right? Scotty has always said that too. You, there was a clip in that was shown where he said there's never been a player greater than Michael Jordan. When he mentioned LeBron, he said statistically, He's going to be the greatest player ever. He never said he was anywhere near Jordan. He said you can't compare anybody yeah. with his stats, which is true. He had 20 years of 25 plus. But you know that's I mean? like, between LeBron and Jordan. What about between Scotty and Mike? All I'm saying is what Scotty said was not in disrespect to Jordan. Outside of that horrible player comment, horrible play, that's completely wrong. But it was incorrect, but, though. Huh? It was false. I, I don't know. I don't know. No, that, well, Mike, that's it. Like like Mike, Michael Jordan was rookie of the year, right? Michael Jordan, when he yeah, came to the I, league, had one NCAA. No, no, no. What I'm saying is this. Check this out. Michael Jordan was rookie of the year, right? Michael yeah. Jordan actually You're not was, arguing that, though. Like, that was never... Nobody said there was anything about... Nobody said Michael Jordan wasn't a great player. I disagreed with Scottie Pippen's take okay. on him being a horrible player. That is not true. That of is course. the blatant lie. But I'm trying to say, the when he talks about the team sport and him being selfish and stuff like that, other players have said it. Even even Stephen A. Smith, who is the one of the biggest Michael Jordan fans of all time, and will be a Michael Jordan apologist forever, said that too. But then he but says, "Where does Scotty not getting so this crazy. credit from?" That's what I want to know. Which is all right, right now. Where should Scotty be at? From where the movie. He be at? He's saying he's saying he didn't get credit credit from the movie. He keeps he, he didn't keeps, credit from the documentary. Yeah, and that's but that's, that's important. That's it's about the whole team. That's the trigger. He's telling you what the trigger is. It's the document. Yeah. So, he, he, so, so did they make it look false that he signed that contract? Did they make it look false that he went and got surgery once the season started? Did they like doctor that? You, you know, you know what? Funny. I, I, let me let me just propose something. It plays with because, perception, like you said. Yeah, because because Mike got so much shine. In 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 some ways, um, it was Mike almost has maybe Mike has in Scotty's eyes anyway. Maybe he has somewhat of a responsibility to tell part of Scotty's And he story. said that, though. That's what you I'm know, saying. He said not that. Not in the documentary, though. That's exactly. the trigger. That's, that's I haven't thing. seen that's the documentary. That's one thing, though. That's only one I, thing. 
But it's a big one. But how it's many times big. have you actually seen? Sorry, Derek. How many times have you seen Jordan go up there and big up Scottie Pippen? He doesn't. He doesn't really big him up. I, I, he's never he really. Detract, he, he, he doesn't don't, detract from him. Yeah, it's not right, But he doesn't go in there and talk about his team. He doesn't talk about like those things. He doesn't like. But Michael Jordan doesn't talk a lot. I haven't seen. If you show me some interviews, with Jordan come out and he talks about how great his teammates was, how Dennis Rodman changed things, how if he starts talking about that, I'll be back. But do me a favor, check this out. Show me. He has done that, and not only that. Tell me one interview where he is not Scotty. Yeah, when he's not, huh? he's when he show me when he's not. In other words, what I'm saying is that what, like for instance, what credit should Robin get? Should Robin First, just be like, "Yo, I'm gonna do my own movie"? What credit I should Robin get? He Robin. I I don't call him Robin, but that's I, your the, that's the question, your question, argument he, and perspective. That's not the question. Is dismissive. The question but that, itself is dismissive. Yeah, you know, right? It's dismissive. No, it's a dismissive type of question. You're comparing them. We we know Jordan is one of the greatest players of all time, if not the greatest player, right? So that's not being debated. That's not being argued. That's not being disapproved. That's not right. being. We all disagreed with Scotty Scotty's statement of him being a horrible player. If right. he said he wanted them to talk about the team more and focus on that last dance team and what they went through, and he didn't do that, and it glorified Jordan, and it kind of pushed everybody to. That's a valid. So, but he said our game feeling. is a team game, right? Our game is a team game, right? So should yeah, they yeah. just so should Scotty not be in the Hall of Fame? Should they just have put all the Bulls in the Hall of Fame? A, a few of them sh probably should. I mean, the team is Scotty went in there by himself. Like, should he have just said, that, "Hey, don't put me a, in there by myself"? The Hall of should... Fame is an individualized award. Like, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, you can't. That's not a good comparison because there is Hall of Fame players that even put teams in the Hall of Fame. So we got some comments here. I think we can probably get to. Sean, um, Sean want to be on. We got to get him on the show. Sing the song like Mike if I can be like Mike. <laughs> I really didn't sing that song. Damien Blue. 12 place awards. awards. Come on, Scotty. I'm going to tell you this. Honestly, I'm going to say this to be fair. I think Damien is 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 one of the most intelligent young men I, I know. And this is the first you know, time he really does not have an argument. He just don't. I, I, I think he's doing a <laughs> peasant kid. It's just not. It's just, I mean, I think <laughs> even the, the fans are speaking like he, he's, he's working on it. But this is good. Got one person. This is so funny how we have this is a good barbershop talk and stuff like that. And the great thing is tonight is that the show is based on barbershop talk. But tonight we have a special guest. Damien, can you tell him about our special guest tonight, brother? Yeah, so I'm I'm happy to introduce this 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 man who who is out doing great work in the community. He he calls himself a humble servant, but um he needs to be celebrated. Uh P. Michael Boone is a youth educator who is passionate about letting people learn the art of cutting hair. And he does much more than that with his Youth Leadership Academy. Um, he's the founder of the P. Michael Boone Foundation and the Junior Barber Academy. He was raised in North Philly um, in a marginalized community. He was a barber by trade. He gave advice to the youth in the community over, for over three decades in his chair. His passion and his purpose to make a difference in the lives um, of youth and, and the, the, the people coming up after us. Um, and with programs like his Positive Youth Development. Um, it empowers youth to reach their full, full potential as leaders who demonstrate and promote equity and inclusion within their learning environments and communities. Um, he's just a great, uh, great guy. I'm glad to know him. I wanted him to come on the show and really talk about what he's been doing. He's been getting some acknowledgments, too. I've seen him getting some awards. So if he has a Jordan moment on here, we just going to let Kelvin back him up. Right, right, right. All right. So um, everybody, please, like in the chat, in the comments, please just welcome um, P. Michael Boone. 
Hey, thanks. Thanks a lot, fellas. Thanks, Dame. I appreciate you, man. What's that up, was an man? amazing, amazing intro, man. I never had thanks, one as man. great as that. <laughs> I, I try to do what I can. I was, when I first we, I said, this brother got to be from Philly. He got the big beard. And then you said he's from Philly. I got to get into it. I've got to ask you this question to start before we really get into it. I've always believed this. In every barbershop, much like a pitching staff, there's an ace and then there's like a back end rotation starter. There's always that one or two the, great the Scottie, barbers. The Scottie Pippen. There you go. And then you got the dude that can only cut the, the little boy's hair when their mother can't wait on Easter. You got that person. <laughs> I always wanted to know what is the difference between those two rankings? How is it that some people that never can ascend to to that level? And I know they. I know you teach them, but some people seem to be gifted. I don't know if it's a talent or a gift. If, you know, so what? What is the disparity uh, between those two? You 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 want the funny barbershop answer, or you want? The, want yeah, give it give it to me, bro. Give it to you real, or the real educated answer. Now go ahead with the barbershop answer first. <laughs> <laughs> the barbershop answer, man. Hey, man, like you said, man, it's Scotty Pippers, man. You 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 like the Tito to somebody's Michael Jackson. So <laughs> at the end of the day, it's always a one and a two. But um, right. and then you right, you got the one that's just like, yo, bro, all you could do is do the kids. <laughs> but the real educated answer, to be honest with you, man, it's really like it's it's really somebody that that's you could tell when somebody's super passionate. And then some people like AI. So, you know, this this Philly. Right. So some people similar to like AI, they just got natural talent. Um, It don't last long. It don't last. I've been in the game 32 years. Natural talent won't last you this long. Wow. Um, so your, your God-given ability, I seen some, I taught students that was like, that had God-given talent to become barbers. When I put my clippers in their hand, I seen it right away and was like, these belong here. But I know that won't last long without education. If you don't have education, if you don't have passion, if you don't start building in, like understanding your community, how much you want to serve your community. If you don't have that, you will probably fade away and end up driving for Uber probably in the next five years and no no listen i ain't downgrading uber but i'm saying like barbering will not produce to you what it can produce to others if you don't have that um and so that's what i teach man like i don't teach you just how to oh yeah we're gonna get the lineup right all right but after that then what you know it's always a then what so, so the work uh, ethic is in there. That's the, the main disparity. So not even work i ain't gonna say work ethic man it gotta be packed like you gotta be willing to do this for free like I'm willing to cut, I cut 47 heads for free and it don't even bother me. Back to back to back to back. And that's the longest day I ever had. And I did it all for no money. And and that to me is the passion that has to bleed through you. But then I also can cut one head and make $250 and do that in 15 minutes. And the but thing 40, is, you know what I mean? No, no, the thing is you said about that, because it's like teachers. Like you see, you are a teacher, like your natural teacher's going to be in the community, your natural counselor. And then when you say about the passion, that's the truest thing somebody could ever say. Like when you when you love what you do, it is so easy to just give it up for free. Because the blessings yeah. are gonna come back, the energy is gonna come back, the vibes are gonna come back. But in that those 47 heads you might have cut, it could have been four or five young men in there that you poured into them in them conversations that was that was worth every dime that you didn't yeah. get. And you so, know what yeah. I say about the blessings? Like a lot of people always be like, the blessings, you might do it and the blessings come later. What if the blessings came already? What if I got the blessings on the front end and I'm putting the work in on the back end for what I owe? And so that's how I, my mindset is always operating. Like I owe this to these people. I owe this to this, my community because they produce me. 
and they could have left me dead in the street like they left everybody else. It wasn't no, it wasn't nothing that could have stopped them from from harming me when I was in the barbershop. My barbershop never got robbed, never got stuck up. Meanwhile, it was barbers that got left in my community dead in the barbershop. I mean, some good dudes that you'd be like, this dude wasn't into nothing illegal. It was no possible way somebody should have came in there and shot him and killed him. So it didn't happen to me. So my thing is, I owe it to my community because they always kept me in high regard. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so I got a question. Go ahead, go ahead, D. No, 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 go, bro. Go, go. So, w- what would you consider one of your biggest motivations? Like, what's your why? Why do hmm. you do what you do? Because you, one, you teach people more than just cutting hair. You have a youth leadership academy too. Like, so you're teaching the youth leadership skills. You're instilling things in them that they can't get in a classroom most of the time, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, my my question is like, what's your internal motivation? What's your why? And I know you gave a little bit of it already, but I just wanted to get uh-huh. that into you. So um, 2016, I had a kid come in my barbershop. Um, he was growing out his waves, so he was getting his hair all fly. And uh, unfortunately, he developed cancer. And in the process of him going through that situation, he had to go through chemotherapy and his hair was falling out. And so his mom was like, listen, ain't no need to keep holding on to this little one patch on the side. We got to cut it off. And he was devastated because he was really, really working on this. So his mentor, his big brother, it's a friend of mine. He brought him into the barbershop and he was like, yo, P, we got to give him the body. You know, do you mind? Because it is a delicate situation. Absolutely. I got him. I'll do it on a day that my barbershop is closed. Right. And so in the process of giving him the ball here, my friend, his mentor decided to say, you know what, P, if he got to get the body, let me get the body, too, because I want to stand in solidarity with him. And I thought that that was honorable. And so as I'm giving my buddy the ball head, I look over at the kid. I was like, yo, come here. I was like, hold these clippers, man. Like, let me show you the process that I'm doing to give him yeah. the body. And I seen his face and he smiled so bright. And that smile looks so familiar. I seen that smile before. I seen it in the mirror when I gave my first haircut. And I was like, yo, I said, man, would you want to learn this? Like, would you want me to teach you how to cut hair? And he was like, yeah. And his mm-hmm. eyes lit up. And I, I looked over at his mom. I said, mom, you wouldn't mind if I teach him? She was like, yeah, but, you know, right now we kind of concentrating on this situation. So let him get right. through his chemotherapy. And um, and then I'll bring him to the barbershop and he can learn. I was like, bet. Like, in my head, I'm like, I'm going to teach him everything I know. And so I'm That's like, yo, his name was Nasir. I said, Nasir, I said, if I teach you, what would you do with it? He was like. P, I got four brothers. My mom got to pay me now. And I was like, yo, <laughs> I like your attitude, right? So I'm going to teach you. And so I noticed That's it was like cool. two weeks went by. And I was like, yo, I ain't heard from Nas. I ain't heard from his mom. Let me hit them up. I hit his mom up. And I was like, yo, hey, what's up? I was like, what's up when Nas coming to the barbershop? And she was like, oh, P. She said, um, Nasir passed away last night. You know, the cancer got really aggressive and the chemotherapy stopped working. And he died. And he was a 13-year-old kid. And I felt like I made him a promise that I was going to teach him. And I felt like I don't, I don't, I do not negate my promises, right? If I make it, I'm going to keep it. And I felt like I couldn't keep that one, not because of me, but it was outside of my control. And so my goal was to find as many Nasirs as I possibly could, to find as many young peas, 12-year-old P, that picked up a pair of clippers. And as in that process of doing that, I met over 4,000 kids that I was able to put clippers in their hands and see what it did to their life. Um, 
And and, and, that, and that's it, man. That's the why, man. It's like, it's this art today. I'm sorry to keep hijack this conversation today. Right, I just right, came, bro. I came from the prisons, man. So here in Philadelphia, we got a, we got a row of prisons called State Road. So it's uh-huh. six prisons, five prisons. I went through all five of them and they showing me out all the spaces that they can probably open up a barber academy inside of each prison. They want me to spearhead it. And so I was in there with the wardens for every prison, the um, deputy commissioner, which I cut his hair, his family. Um, and there were a lot of people that was powerful from the state that was like, yo, we can make this happen. But they was saying no to every prison because they was like, yo, this is too small. It's too tight. And they found this one prison. And I was like, oh, snap, I teach a summer class at this prison. And it just so happened to be a prison where I taught a kid last year. He was 17. And this year he escaped from prison in Philly. Um, and they call him like the demon of Philadelphia or something like that. But when I met this kid, he was the most, I mean, coolest young boy ever. And I put clippers in his hand for the first time. And he did so good. And he loved the craft. And if I would have caught him before he killed six people, I could have changed the trajectory of his life because I seen what those Clippers did when he was in his hand because it did the same thing to me at 12. It did the same thing to Nasir when he was 13 before he passed away. It had a, it had a look. And so, man, Dame, if I can say, man, what's my why? It's to always get that look. I don't care about the money. I don't care about the accolades. I care more about can we help somebody that has a hidden talent that don't even know? Right. Can we yeah. bring it out of them? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Let me ask you this. Go, go ahead, D. No, no, no. Go, 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 go. go. I want to say this. I, I used to make this statement that, and I, I stand by this. I believe this. And I've been in ministry for 30 years. I believe that there is no place in this country that black people, black men, feel more at home than the barbershop. Not one mm. place. I've seen mm. it. I've seen I've been in there with the drug dealer with the lawyer, with the correction officer, with Facts. everybody has to go there shoulder to shoulder. Equal. But something, when you walk in that door, everybody understands the plight. Everybody understands the oppression. Everybody understands the pressure, all the things. How is it that we foster, what is it in the barbershop that just brings kind of this spirit of, of oneness and, uh, and acceptance with our community? Uh, because I don't know how to really describe it. But I just know yeah. how it feels. I think it's I think it's the barber chairs, Kelvin. I think it's the barber chairs, man. I'm gonna tell you why. All right, here's the setup. Look at the average barber shop. So maybe maybe you got about three to maybe five barber chairs set up, right? Mm-hmm. And the barber is standing over top of the barber chair, serving somebody that has a cape on. And so here I'm about to picture just paint you this picture. The person that's in the chair is wearing the cape. So think of superheroes. Superheroes wear capes, right? Mm-hmm. The barber don't have the cape on. He's actually cutting the person with the cape. And you think about everybody that's sitting inside that that waiting area. They're all equal. They're all, no matter, like you said, no matter what walk of life they're from, they're all able to give an opinion that the barber can spark a conversation with the person in the chair and everybody can weigh in on it and everybody is equal. And I think it's the most beautiful, it's poetry in motion, man. Because I've been a barber for 32 years, to me, it's like painting, it's like art. I can see it like I can walk in the barbershop and know exactly what to say that could spark the conversation where everybody be like, oh, my God, this dude, <laughs> you know, what I mean, just like your guys conversation. Like you can say one thing that, you know, everybody gonna get on you, even if you just kind of trolling. Right. Like, yo, I'm just doing it for a troll. 
But or you could be just like, yo, this is my opinion. I'm sticking to it. Cowboys best team in the world or the Eagles, the best <laughs> team in the world. And I'm sticking right. to it. And, you know, it's going to start a three hour conversation. Right. That's not going in. Like people got to be like, yo, man, I was supposed to call my wife. <laughs> I just <laughs> stayed in the barbershop way too long, bro. But it's the most beautiful thing. And when you see young men in the barbershop, bro, and you know that you got your older peers in there, right? And they're talking. I use those moments as very teachable moments where I will, I'll ask a question that I automatically know the answer to, but I'll pull a person up on stage, like basically pull them on stage, right? And I'll be like, hey, Kelvin, let me ask you a question. So when you was about 14, right? And I know I got a 14-year-old sitting over there in his phone, knee deep in his phone, right? I'll be like, yo, he was 14-year-old, bro. And then I'll just spark a question that I know he can hear it. I know his conscious mind is taking it in. And then I'll tap him in. I'll be like, yo, 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 Rick, let me ask you something, Rick. So look, what school you go to? And then I'll bring him in the conversation and I'm doing it intentional. And I know it's a teachable moment because Kelvin, I know you're going to go in there and I know you're going to drop philosophy. I know you're going to get game, Dame. So when I bring you on the stage, I know what I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. And I think every politician, everybody knows this happens. And so I had politicians call me before and say, we recognize that the barbershop is one of the most influential places besides the church, besides the schools. We know the teachers are, are necessary. We know the pastors are necessary. We know all the emens are necessary. We know those leaders are necessary. But it's something about when they're in the barbershop, they listen to the barber. They want to be like the young boys. They might don't know the barber name or might don't have that, that tucked in relationship, but they respect them. They like his sneaks. They like his selection of clothes that he wear. You know, they got a high level of respect, man. And they see black men working. Mm. Yep. Mm. But it's also, it's also like a young person coming into to the room of the elders, right? Yeah. Coming, you're surrounded by a whole bunch of wisdom. So, you know, you, the energy from the wisdom is going to make a kid sit back and respect it. That's, that's too, a bro. beautiful point because I feel like that's one of the few places you could get real storytelling with humor, yeah. with yeah. back and forth, with call and response, with, with like everybody can gather around and listen to one story at a time. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I think that that's important. And it and it's stories about where we're from and things we go through. So it's it's all relatable. If you didn't go through it, you know somebody who went through it. And Facts. I think that, that that's also important, you know, and that's a big part of our community is storytelling anyway. Folklore, mm. storytelling, entertainment, and you get it all there. And it and it and it's without pretense, right? You know, some people believe if you go to a church, you gotta dress a certain way, you gotta talk a certain mm. way. You go to school, you gotta behave a certain way, you gotta follow the barbershop, it got its own, it, it's it's like its own little safe zone. When you walk in and you're welcome, you could people are themselves there, right? That's what yeah. you normally get in a good space. So I, I think that's part of it too, just to add on respectfully. Yeah, Dame, it's it's some high energy going in the barbershop. You know when you come in there and you ready to the, the battle your conversation, you better talk loud as you can. You better mm-hmm. bring all the energy and demand what's your point and get your point across. And young True. men love that because they see yeah. male masculinity at its finest without the toxicity, right? Because we arguing about LeBron or we arguing about something that we think we know the most of. And they love watching us like, it's it's almost like watching your dad, just like, oh, he's a leader. Like he's, and they get to watch multitude of men do that. Yeah. yeah. And the thing, yeah, the barbershop, think about it, tell people, the barbershop was the original Google, right? It's the original, <laughs> the original Wikipedia. You're gonna Wikipedia, you got some off facts. You got that off fact dude. You know what I'm saying? But the, yeah. the barbershop was also the yellow page. Think about it. you organize marches in barbershop. 
When you come into a town, you go to a barbershop, you can find out what a good place to eat at, what a good place to stay at, what side of town not to go to. You know what I'm saying? Like that. Then go with the ladies at night. Well, I like to frequent back in the day. I know where to go to from the barbershop. Barbershop dudes will tell you where to get those at. The good strip club, good lemon pepper wings, and Damien goes get in Atlanta. Down in the Georgia and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? I love I mean, the barbershop bar is everything. Black man's Let me, I'm sorry, I gotta ask this one last one. Now, I remember, and, and I always equate it to ministry just in my perspective. So, the first time I actually had to have a microphone in my hand and stand in front of people on a Sunday morning is different. Uh -huh. you, you teach people the first time a person has got to stand there and service a client. Hmm. This is not a test, this is not a drill, this ain't school no ain't more. School no you, there's somebody that came in there. And they want a haircut, they've either pointed to that number on that post or they telling you what they want. <laughs> and what is the pressure for the first time somebody has their first? This ain't their cousin that they practicing on. This is somebody that is paying money. Cause I'll tell you, I saw a dude, he was 20 years old, and he didn't have the experience. And the heaters, the, the clippers get too hot. And he gave this light skin dude weps all over the state. That Ooh. dude took that thing, that mirror that y'all show. And hit that boy over the head with it. The boy ran out the barbershop. It was so sad. That's so sad. when you're, it, it's a pressure moment. I would think when you're standing <laughs> up, really servicing somebody. How, what is that like? That experience, that first time cut. Your hand won't stop shaking. And and every kid asks me this too. They like my hand won't stop shaking, Mister P. I'm like, bro, my hands shake to this day. Thirty two years later, your hand is going to shake. That don't mean you don't deliver a good haircut. Do it mm -hmm. with the pressure. Dude, that's the best place. And if I, I had a bunch of kids that try to like, um, I guess like fake it a little bit and be like, yeah, I ain't scared. Like I'm good for this. And I said, that's dangerous. I ain't putting the clippers in your hand if you ain't scared. I need you to be fearful. If you don't have fear, if your hand ain't shaking, well, that means you, you, you're not in contact with your emotions. And we got to get in contact with that because I can't let you go out here and be overly confident because like you said, now you're going to get the whelps on the head and now you're going to get smacked with the mirror. And I ain't, I ain't right, letting right. that happen. So I'd rather you not do such a good job, meaning like it ain't good, ain't sharp. I can go behind that. But mm -hmm. when you just overly confident, that means you taking hair away that we can't put back on, bro. That got to wow. grow back in two weeks. So wow. I won't put clippers in your hand if you're not shaking. I need you to have a little shake. Because when you shake, I'm like, yeah, now we got them. Now we can now we can really get down to what's this thing really about. It's not about you making money. It's about you helping people at your most vulnerable moment, because the first thing I tell my students to do is give out a bunch of free haircuts. That's how you learn. There ain't nobody just paying you for no paying a novice. So at the end of the day, let's give out a bunch of free haircuts. Right. And in the process of doing that, we learn and we building consistency, we building, we training and I'm training who you are as a person in the future, because you're going to always be able to go back and say, I started by giving free haircuts. Uh -huh. So this can't be about money for me, right? Yeah, Pete. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. So uh, you you mentioned that uh, where what do you do? What do you? How do you tell your students? You know what? You know part of being a barber. Sometimes we all know you get Zeke, man. You might have a little accident or something. You know. How do you explain to them, man? How do you how do you tell them how to deal with that, man? Sure. You know, a little customer service. My, my, I had one in my life, and I was cutting here out the house. And I wasn't paying attention, bro. And that's where I teach my paying attention um, moment at in my class. And I'm talking and I'm cutting, I'm moving fast. And I seen the guard without my eyes. And I was like, why is the guard in the air? 
and I was already in motion. And I gave that more oh. and I, we call it a yant. I said, yeah. I was like, oh my God. But I was in the house by myself, cutting him. And he was a young boy of mine. So I was able to finesse the situation. <laughs> but I could have got the mirror smacked over my head, Kelly. <laughs> so I finessed it. You know, barbers, we got good talk. So we I was like, no, listen, man, bro, look, I got this new spray that just came out. It's black. I'm gonna spray your hair every day. He was like, well, I got to go to school. I was like, bro, come to come to me before school. I'll spray it every day. And hair only take two weeks to grow back. But like in a week, you'll see a little shadow. So in a week, I had to, first I had to give him that free cut. So I lost my bag, right? Lost the money. <laughs> then I had to cut him down the next week to kind of even it out. So I'm like, yo, I'm doing all this work because I ain't paying attention. And I used that, that life lesson. I'm glad it happened to me so it don't happen to my students. I mean, my thing is, if I tell that story to you now, while you 12 and 14 years old, it never happened to you, then you don't got to go through it. Because that was very well, embarrassing. And it could have happened in a barbershop with fellas like y'all around, and y'all would have grabbed me. Y'all would have oh, never man. let me outlive it. <laughs> don't sit in the peach chair. Nah, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, talk about some of your, the, your workshops and those things that you do and how long you started, how you make, like, all that stuff, like, got you into it, how yeah. they going it, and what was your vision for them? So I told you about Nasir, man. So that was like the first, that was going to be my first student. What happened was um, I had a student, a seven-year-old little girl walk in. She was like, yo, I want to learn how to cut hair. And her mom was brave enough to bring her into my barber, my barber class. And I thought it was kind of odd, but I was like, man, I'm going to just do it anyway. And I taught her, man. And she asked so many questions, D. And when she asked all these questions, I was writing down notes like, oh, I, I didn't even put that in the class. But I'm glad she asked it. So now I built this amazing workshop, this amazing curriculum. It's four weeks long. Um, it's two hours each week because I don't want to overdo it. I know that kids have a very low attention span. So I don't want to like drill, drill, drill and have them really like sick of this thing before they get started. So I do it in two hours, one day a week for four weeks. And uh, and it's my curriculum, man. I built it and I and I go on each subject. So I break down the hairline symmetry. I break down the beard. What would you do with the beard? Because, you know, we in Philly, the home of the beard. I break down the fade because if you ain't got no fade game, hey, you ain't no barber. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I break down how to cut your own hair just for my young men. Um, but I do have a lot of young ladies take my class. And surprisingly, man, they like the best. So I got an up and coming class right now coming up this Sunday. It starts June 4th. Um, it's from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And it's every Sunday for four weeks. And I'm teaching them my curriculum. And what's every kid that signed up for this class, I'm giving them a whole free pair of clipper set. So they're getting two clippers, the shape ups and the faders. Um, and they're getting that free, man. That's a gift from me. They're getting a certificate as well as all my knowledge and all my years of experience. I'm pouring it into them. And at the end of the process, when I graduate them, they got a mentor for life. Well, let me let me ask this. This this is the last one for me. So uh, back to the preaching thing. The best preachers come from the worst neighborhoods, and this, mm. and, and this, some of those cities are uh, in places in New York, in um, Baltimore, in Houston, Texas. They're just great hotbeds for great preaching. New Yorkers think we're great barbers. Philly always had the Philly fade and different things like that. Give me your top three cities that you've seen the best barbers come out of these three cities. Oh, man, you you put me on the spot. So Philly is definitely number one. Yo, <laughs> I went to the deepest of the South, the deep South. I'm talking like Mississippi and found a barber in a back barber shop, and he was cold with it. 
And wow. here, here's a here's a, here's one that's gonna probably throw a really cool curveball to you. I was in Africa. I was in Egypt, and I went into a barber shop, and this guy let me take over his barber shop and cut hair. But he was from uh-huh. South Sudan, and I watched him cut hair with um a comb or razor. He had a pair of clippers, but he was using a, a process I'd never seen in my life, and he was getting it done. And I was like, bro, if I gave you clippers and showed you how to use these, you'll be dangerous. Wow. And so I can say, man, South Sudanian, like they they was they was just cold, man. They was cold with it. Mm-hmm. I seen some of them brothers in Africa cut, cut with a knife. Look, look like a knife, some kind of instrument. No, that's like a, a fact. Knife. They can make it work. Yeah, yeah, they cut the whole joint with a knife. Whatever they need. And they be paint hitting it. And they're like, oh, I was in South Africa, saw a brother cutting hair on the sidewalk. And that's what people was barefoot and just sitting in a chair on the sidewalk. And he was yep. knocking it down. I mean, I told well, we I think we're pretty nice. We New Yorkers, you know, we think we got, you know, we yeah, think yeah, we have Harlem, yeah. Queens, Brooklyn, you know, we, but no, I've heard Philly, yeah. Philly is supposed to be the truth. So, yeah, like, no, we number one, though. We the ghosts, bro. I ain't gonna fake it. Man. We the ghosts. <laughs> no, I tell you, I got, a, I got a question from somebody. They couldn't put it in the chat. They text me. But, um, I don't know. The Philly snowball haircut, I ain't like back in the, back in the early What's 90s. Snow- Oh, the, the the fro. Oh man, I ain't like that. You ain't like that one. Nah, I ain't like the steady B joint. Not steady B. Yeah, what's oh. the uh, them, them, um, what's the things you had? The gumbies. Gumbies. Yeah. Yo, hey, bro. There's ESP. no way you ain't like the gummy, dog. Nah, man, not ESP in them, man. I wasn't with that. But now, this one, uh, a sister asked because she works with me, and we also have a bro. Uh, in my uh, nonprofit I work for, we have a barbershop program. She asked, "Are you willing to share your curriculum, or is there a fee attached to sharing your curriculum?" Yeah, it will be a fee attached to sharing the curriculum because it is my intellectual property. It's something that I worked on for quite a few years and I put a lot into it. Um, But it is something we could definitely talk offline about and see, like, how could we um, how could you have that licensing agreement for? Because it is a proven system like it's been working. It worked over four thousand students for the past five years. So, yes, I would love to talk with y'all guys offline and see how we can put that together. I got you. I got you. I got you. You know me, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so can I ask you a question? Um, what's <clears throat> next for your program? What is what can I hear an aspiration, a dream, a goal? Do you want to okay. take this five thousand to fifty thousand? Do you want to open up your own academy in the heart of Philly? You know what I mean? Like what what's what's next? Because I you know, you got a few accolades, weren't you? You just was recently on daytime television, I think. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. you know, maybe I don't know, maybe I saw you. Yeah, um, yeah. Yep. But Good yeah. morning, America. Um, did yeah. the Rachel Ray show, did all the news stations here in Philly, man. I'm proud of that. But most importantly, I'm proud of the work that's really being done. Um, what's next is I'm I'm doing a program where I'm tr- I'm teaching my students how to be teachers because a lot of my students have leadership qualities. And even my introverted ones that don't even want to talk, they sit in the back of the classroom, they got the hoodie on, they barely want to do the demonstration. When I like get to really get to know who they are, they got untapped potential. And when I be like, yo, little bro, I'm about to go use the bathroom. Show him what I just showed you. And I come back and the kid know how to do it. And I'm like, I was gone. That means y'all don't need me. Y'all just need to be taught by me. So now my goal is to start teaching leadership more in the barbershop. So I'm about to start training barber teachers. And so Mm. that's the goal is how can I build more of good programs where we're teaching quality education, but we also have an integrity behind our programs. We have crazy skill sets and it's not just about cutting sharp hair. It's about producing an amazing person, you know, while he's a kid, while she's a kid. So that's the goal for me, Dame is now this leadership Academy that's that I'm putting together is starting to train. I'm teaching the teachers and I'm doing it while they're young. I'm not waiting until they get older 
and setting their ways and they got bad habits. I'm doing it while they're young. I'm teaching them how to be leaders. I'm talking to them about leadership and boom, I'm sending them off to be young barber teachers, man. That's dope. Nice. So let me ask you a question That's real quick. Dope. I know you're based out of Philly. Is there any kind of way that people can tap into you like via internet? Oh, somebody got a question. Via internet or anything like Zoom? Sorry. Absolutely, yeah. So now we're building that model out now. Our June 4th class, man, I paid a, a videographer. So they're coming out and they're going to record the whole entire process. And um, and I'm, that's going to be starting to tap in because I got a lot of people from all over the U.S. that's like, yo, I can't bring my kid there, but I would love for them to, to get to know you, to get to learn from you. So I'm like, yo, we got to build that online model. And so I just made the investment to do it. So right after this class series is over with, we're going to start chopping up editing. We're going to have that online model. Um, yep. But Yep. And then I got the I got the books, man. So my curriculum is now broken down in the format of books so people can get the books and learn how to cut their own hair. They can get the book about symmetry, shape ups and so forth and the topics that I teach. I got two more questions for me uh, real quick. I want to just no uh, one question. One statement, I guess I want to tell all young people, you get to view this. Please tap into skill sets like this because you can make a great career and money off of this. But the AI systems are going to take over a lot of these other jobs that you go and go on to school for. You better tap into something like this. The one thing black people going to get through the recession, anything, they're going to get the haircut. I don't care <laughs> if there's no more money being printed. We're going to go get a haircut. We're going to get, get, get some perms. We're going to get some braids. We're going to get some waves. We're going to get some doggone uh, weaves and all that stuff. We're going to get it done. That's the That's only crazy. recession-proof lace, business. Lace front. The facts. Think about how many people risking it. Bought people going to barber's houses in the, the, during the pandemic. Yep, no doubt. To, to, no to be in the house to look at the same people in your house. No <laughs> question. But the no thing question. is, but people, the people <clears throat> understand that skill set is that the, when a when you got when a young person gets a haircut or an older person, and you make them look fresh and look new, their the self worth feels so good in them. That's no what they come. That's so that the barber is that's the drug. That's the, the hook that you make people come back. No matter if it's a pandemic, they are gonna look, look good. You know what I'm saying? But learn this skill set. I keep telling young people, you better go back and learn this because we. The AI is taking over everything. See, D, when I was little, the barbers was, was older. They were much older as young barbers now. And they, mm -hmm. they would grip my head. I mean, and you had to stand still. That was the biggest thing. I want to know this. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to tell you my problem I've had with barbers historically. My problem is when barbers get become great barbers, master barbers, some of them would just come in when they wanted or they would show mm -hmm. up when they wanted. I, was, I had a big thing on time. I, I, I really think that should be prioritized. But I want to know as a barber, what are your issues with customers historically? So what, what is um, something you'd say to customers, the, the etiquette that customers should have? Yeah. So so I want to touch on that first thing that you just said, man. So I teach time management. That's a huge piece of my class. Um, and so it's the juniorbarberacademy.com. So my my whole entire program is called the juniorbarberacademy.com. And what I do is I teach time management because if we, I nip it in the bud early before you even get celebrity status, I, I hate that term, right? That celebrity barber status. No, but it's true. Every, it's true. No, the everyday person that's in my chair is the celebrity because he coming every week. Right. The celebrity ain't going to be a celebrity as long as this guy is going to be an average Joe and I love him, right? Good point. It's, it's a fact, man. So he's going to pay my bills, not the celebrity because he's going to be in ball player going to get traded. So he ain't going to be in my chair too long. But no, so I teach time management first while you're young before you become that arrogant person so hopefully you never even grow into that and you understand that timing is everything because that's the one thing we can't buy the one thing we can't get back so but i do hate that clients think that they own you and as a barber i do not want a client to think like yo bro cut my just cut my hair and you can't have a life 
outside of this because right. all you supposed to do is cut hair. And it's like, no, bro, I had kids in the process of me being your your barber from high school to now when you about to get married. I had children. So my whole dynamic shifted. I don't curse in the barbershop. I don't allow that type of atmosphere in the barbershop. Why? Because I got kids in here. I got an older lady that's bringing her grandson because her son is locked up and she just want to make sure she do her do, you know, her duties. And I don't want cursing around her. So now you still in that same frame of mind from when this was back in the day and we ain't there no more, but you don't own me. And this is my space. And, and I don't, I work, I do the work for you, but I don't work for you. And I don't want people to, uh, young barbers to get to the point where they feel like they're married to their clients. Like, dang, I can't really take all this. My, you know, he got a, he hold a standing appointment on Fridays. Yo, bro, if your mom's sick, if somebody in your family has issues, you need to take off and you need to have intelligence enough to call people and say, yo, bro, I'm going to just have to cut you another time. Or you, you feel free to go to my man, the number two. You know what I mean? Scotty. So <clears throat> go, go to the Scotty. Word. The pandemic messed up for me. Yesterday's price and today's price. I used to get a twenty dollar haircut. But I ain't have hair, but you know, whatever, you know. But now the fifty dollar price, bro. You so so I don't like the price of Neva. I don't think one hundred twenty. There's nothing you could do to my hair for one hundred twenty five dollars. And I'm and all my barber friends are gonna be mad at me for this. But it's not the time. It's not the talent that. It's not the price of the haircut that you're paying for. I think it's the person's time and how valuable my time is. I have to charge accordingly because if I can go somewhere. And so as a bar licensed barber teacher, I teach one person is $10,000, right? I teach 10 people. That's a hundred thousand dollars. Should I go cut 40,000 heads and try to make a hundred thousand? Or should I just go teach me 10 amazing people that want to learn my craft? And so now if I'm going to give that up and I'm not going to do that and I'm going to come and cut your hair, it has to be, it has to be balanced at some point and, and, and $20 can't balance it out. So unfortunately I get it. It is a price gouging. It is price, you know, inflation, but it's probably measured because somebody has a time restriction where they like, yo, I could be with my children right now. So you gonna give me twenty dollars to not be with my kids? Like you that? Better hope, you better hope them Chinese don't learn how to cut the hair, boy. Oh, they did in <laughs> Philly. They charge a five dollars. I'm telling you, oh, seven God. and five. But guess what? They starting to go up. They at twenty five. They was seven <laughs> and five. They had twenty five. If you want to clean the Clippers, if you want the Clippers clean. <laughs> Yo, um, so I just want to remind everybody, uh, where can they reach you at? They can reach you at P Michael with the underscore afterwards on yep, Instagram, on Instagram or everywhere, everywhere, YouTube, P Michael Boone, Facebook, P Michael Boone, LinkedIn, P Michael Boone, um, Twitter, P Michael, Instagram at P Michael. Um, that's A-E-L. A lot of people spell Michael wrong. I don't know why. But uh, yo, and then, then my website is pmichael.org for my nonprofit. And then it's the Junior Barber Academy. And that's for all things barbering when it comes to youth education, as well as adult barber education. Okay. Junior Barber that, Academy. One Any final questions before we, before we sign off? Any oh. final questions before we yeah. sign off? Well, you doing hip hop? Yes, we got to. He's a barber. He's a barber. Got to. Got to. I'm just saying. Top five. MCs of all time. Wait. Oh, that's easy, man. So we're gonna go Biggie, Pop, Cove. I'm gonna definitely give you Nas in there. And man, my favorite, my favorite is KRS, man. Wow. Did that give you five, or you need one fine. more? That's yeah. fine. No, I thought you were gonna say Will Smith. That's easy. That's a layup. We put that in the barbershop rotation. I thought you were gonna say Will Smith. No, man. <laughs> no, he's a comedian. 
Come on, man. Steady B, Cool C. I mean, cool nah, C. nah, nah. They ain't do enough work. They ain't put enough work in to get that that title, bro. <laughs> I can dig it, man. But now, nah, bro, we thank you for coming on. Damien, you want to say anything last to Pete? Yeah, man. Just I appreciate you taking the time. You know, we'll chop it up soon. Um, yeah. You know, we got to make these things happen, like connecting you with everybody, making sure if you got the opportunity, they can get access to your curriculum, your books, and just, you know, we can we can celebrate your name, man. Thank you for all the work that you're doing and Thank appreciate you, brother. you, brother. Thank you, guys, man. I loved it, man. I enjoyed myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Stay tuned because we got some conversations. Again, you got to tune in. Like, some I, I, of these I'm topics be... is going to be wild. Yeah, yeah. Those shows are crazy. I love it. I love <laughs> your show, bro. <laughs> Stay up. Appreciate right. it, bro. Thanks, Mike. A great conversation. T, I mean, T. Michael, rather. Jamie, mm -hmm. can you take us to commercial, my brother? Jamie, drunk. We get a chance. Jamie, Purify IV got started uh, through a friend of mine coming to me with a, a great idea, a great concept um, that started out through a friend of his in, in Swanee, Georgia. One of the medical doctors is my best friend, so I thought it would work well here in Cornelius in the Charlotte area. One of the things that inspired me to open up this space was the overall wealth and wellness and clinical feel. A uh, good way of, of looking at it is uh, we have a drip for pretty much any occasion. So whether it's performance recovery, let's say you're into a performance, um, uh, you're an athlete, or you train or you run a cross train. Uh, we attend several of those type of events, so we have a drip for that. We have something for the average person. If you had a long weekend, of course, the most well-known is the Myers Cocktail. Uh, we have something for women, skin, hair, nails. Um, and of course, we have something for immunity. The effects pretty much are immediate in terms of what people feel. They feel um, energized and feeling refreshed. Um, I had one friend of mine um, who followed up with me a day or two later. She was like, she just felt like she was glowing. She had the nail hair and skin. So she said, you know, I just feel like there's extra glows uh, for whatever reason. So I said, well, I'm pretty sure it's the benefit of the drip. When you come and visit Purify IV, you can expect a warm, inviting space. Uh, we want to take your mind off of coming to a medical clinic. Uh, we are a wellness clinic, but we more have a, a med spa feel. It's warm, it's relaxing. You can sit down in a uh, massage chair. You can sit down in one of our private rooms, recline back, watch television. Uh, we want to create an experience for our clients. What separates us a lot in terms of comparison to other um, IV hydration uh, spaces is that we make all of our drips very fresh. Everything has to come direct from the pharmacy and has to meet certain specs. So we actually have mobile services. Uh, we go to Mooresville area, Charlotte area, Gastonia area. We can come to you. My personal goal at the end of each day is to hydrate as many people as possible and everybody can feel as rejuvenated as we do. You want to stay hydrated, you want to be hydrated, you want to be rejuvenated, and of course you want to be well. WCCB Charlotte's Carolina Insight is brought to you by Purify IV Charlotte. Yo, 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 what's up, what's up, what's up? If you like what you've seen from the four brothers here, give us a thumbs up. Like and subscribe to the channel so you can stay notified when we go live and post new content. Thank you for the support. All right, man, welcome back, welcome back. Man, this time of hour, ooh, we got kind of got late hour. Let's get, we're going to get to some relationship talk here, man. First thing we're going to talk about is why a lot of women do not like most men. Jamie, can you play the clip for us, please? 
think I think a lot of women don't like most men because they don't like themselves, bro. This whole persona about bad like it's it's all a front because most women are insecure themselves. Yep. They understand that we have more expectations. So when you go through life as a woman not having expectations, not having to level up or do the self-improvement, it's kind of like a self-hate because you like you get all this love and attention and then it quickly goes away when you're in your 30s. When you don't earn anything that you have, like a lot of hot chicks, they don't earn the status, the trips, they get on the boat. It's kind of like an empty feeling because when they all goes away, there was no substance behind it from the beginning. Right. Mm -hmm. Opposed to most men, for us to get to where we are, we have to bust our ass go through school, start a business, go through failure. So if we get down the road, it's like, no matter what happens, we still have this, hey, I built this. Yeah. Most men don't go through that. Yeah. So it's like an emptiness in them that they try to deflect on men. All right. So, so, so Damien, I, I think you at one point took exception to that. What, what was your, what was your point, the sticking point that, that disturbs you about this statement? Well, I think I think the opinion is based around a specific kind of woman. And, and you know, if you pigeonhole women into like the hot chicks, I mean, that that's a label, a mentality that, you know, it's like a, a caricature. Yeah. And it's like that's not I would say that's not most women, but that's just my opinion. Right. So as he's arguing his opinion, I might be countering with my opinion. I can't fully ignore what he's saying because he has some points that might make sense. And I, my reaction was like, well, you know, I kind of feel similarly when people like, you know, well, black men only care about this and they think all black men are passport broke. And it's like you speaking about a very small group, maybe less than 10 percent of a of an entire population. And you're speaking of them as if they are the majority or damn near the the uh, whole group. And so I always had that, like, if you're speaking about like seven bad apples in, in an apple grove, then you, 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 you're probably speaking from a bad perspective, right? You know, if, if you do think that there are, there are women out there with that perspective, which I can't disagree with him, it's like, speak to them, but don't speak to the entire group because you're not speaking to the entire group. And you probably know people who don't fit that mold. So when you speak with knowledge of the people, like friends who I know are not like, and we all probably do, right? I can't speak for y'all, but I'm sure y'all do. So when that comment is made, it's like, but that's my best friend ain't like that. So and and I know her and I know my mother. I know my sisters. So I I, I always try to keep that in the back of my mind. So I, I don't want to be like, oh, all y'all women are the same. It's like, that's not true. And it's same when they be like, all men are dogs. You know, that's not true. They might have dogs you. But <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? First of all, and I, I think that's that's a, a very, very good point. I'll just take it from this standpoint for the people that it actually applies to. I do think there is some merit to it. I think because of the Internet, it just opened up a lane where people have monetized things. We started seeing in the late 90s. Um, there was I, I, first I remember hearing a woman that would, would wear her underwear, uh, take it off and then mail it to people that they would buy it. I don't know if you guys remember people doing stuff like that. Look, I'm looking at Derek Face. No, that, that's because they are paying for her scent. Um, then they, they, this this OnlyFans, um, this Instagram model stuff. So it started becoming a thing where people started taking that there was their looks for some type of premium for for people mm -hmm. to pay. And so it it set a bad precedent. But I think that is really really common now commonplace that people feel like they invest a lot in their looks uh, i think we see more people getting uh surgeries um you know whether it's different parts of their bodies and things like that i think they're doing that in a lot of cases to monetize it 
That's what it seems like. So I think if he's talking about that, in other words, if you are, if your whole thing is predicated on looks, especially in your 20s or your early 30s, if you don't accomplish whatever that's supposed to accomplish by the time you get into your late 30s or your early 40s, then you look back and there's a bunch of 20 year olds coming up behind you in the draft. And it seems like you become expendable. So that's what I that's what I ascertain from it. Yeah. yeah, that's I mean, I think that's a great point. One of the things you got to think of, like, right, if you use the sports analogy, if you're a veteran and you 10, 15 years in the game and then an all star pop up rookie of the year, like you said, Jordan style, you just can't compete with them. You might have the the, the craftiness, the wow. But look, Jordan can jump out the rim and dunk from the free throw line. You can't do that no more. And and, right. and that, that's just a fact. It's a fact. In, right. It's a fact. You, you look at Scottie Pippen's ex-wife. She's, I believe, 47 years old. God damn, like Scottie Pippen come up on every segment. Go ahead. No, no. Look, <laughs> <laughs> look, 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 look at her. So she, she married an NBA player in her 20s, I guess, right? Then she started dating a guy on the Pacers in her 40s now she's dating michael jordan there's a certain it seems to be a certain pattern of the type of man she's looking for and i don't think she's ever going through these dudes like look at my degree uh, uh look at look at, <laughs> look at my, my pedigree i think it's basically how can i hold this together to wind up landing another millionaire that's what it seems like and there's people like her so if you were if you was chasing after these ball players in the 90s and now it's, it's 2023 you, Pretty much the, the, the league has passed you by. So now what happens? And I think that's, that's his point. If it's, if it, and that could be men too, but if it's predicated on that, when it ends, what do you have? And that's the danger of yeah. it. I think he told yeah. on himself in the beginning when he said uh, hot chicks. He's looking yeah. for a certain type of hot chick, all right, who's looking for a certain type of man. So already he's already put a certain kind of woman there. So it's not all women particularly. It's just one type of woman that his kind of man and most men would find attractive. You know what I mean? And men are looking for, those men are looking for a certain kind of woman. Those certain kind of women are looking for a certain kind of man and why they don't like the rest. So, you know, it's, uh, we definitely can't uh, paint with the broader strokes, um, you know, when, when it comes to that, that conversation. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a certain type, you know? Yeah. But I mean, he had anyway. Let's we gonna we let's let's move on. Let's move on. Wait, we spent a lot of time. Missing. D is ten twenty six. Where's the scroll at? What's up? I'm sleepy That's... tonight, man. I ain't sleeping. Oh, well okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you not we, feeling we well? Okay, all right. We just right. gotta ask him questions. You know how I go. We ask him a question, he'll go. <laughs> all right. Next, you said, right, move on, right? So checking a woman doesn't mean putting her in her place. Jamie, can you play the clip for us, please? When I talk about different ways to check your woman it ain't about telling her what to do or putting her in her place it's about this is how you have tough conversations with her mm -hmm. this is how you express yourself to her um in a manner that's conducive to your relationship that's healthy for your relationship are you guys going to be mad at each other of course mm -hmm. yeah but it's a certain way to put it out there where we could be mad and get back to what we got to get back to mm -hmm. you know we're trying to minimize disagreement we're trying to minimize friction and I think that, like, we're all different. We all have different personalities. You may be um, aggressive and you may be quiet, right? But at the end of the day, for, the, for most of us, generally, there are certain ways that we, I believe, is better to conduct ourselves when we're talking about conflict. That background music is Guapale. That's a dope song, yo. That's dope a dope song. song. Yeah. Yeah. Dope song. Yeah. 
But um, I think I think all right, Amy, I'm gonna be you know sensitive. Ralph Tresvant, emotionally intelligent. Will Scotty, will Scotty Pippen come up on this? No. Okay. Uh, no. But um, maybe we bring up Michael Jordan's son or future. I don't know. Maybe. Um, so, uh, I think he has a great point, and he's talking about something called dedicated listening and constructive conversation. So, being able to have the type of conversation that actually leads to a desired result and is not a uh, conflict of opinions, right? Like you're trying to get your point across. Like remember earlier, P was talking about the the barbershop where you just trying to get your point across, right? And the argument is like, you look, I'm gonna say it louder. If you ain't here it the first time, it is what it is, right? Like Shaq shoot better free throws than Steph Curry, and I'm standing on it. And it's like we know that's not true, but people will stand on it, right? Um, so I think it's important to understand, like, hey. I want to talk to you so we can get to a better place. That's that's the intent, right? You admit you establish that. You you understand that sometimes may not be the best time to even talk, right? Hey, is there a time that we can maybe talk tonight, later tomorrow, maybe in the week after the work is done, where we can unwind, sit, and not go over something? And it ain't gonna be this, you gotta change, or I don't you've ever so it's a uh, conversation I was having earlier. Have you ever been in a situation where like you might be snuggled up with your significant other? And they might say something like, I have a question. And oh. you already see, yeah, see, <laughs> and you already know the rest of the mood is done shot. Oh. Just can I ask you something? No, we good, right? <laughs> but so that constructive conversation is really important to just say, hey, I was thinking about something, but I'm not, we're we gonna have fun right now. We let can we talk about it later when when you know you good? And then give the person the option to to say, hey, let's let's talk now. Or, hey, yeah, I got you. You know what I mean? Like, And you bring that bring things up in a way where people can be heard and received. And, you know, all of those things that really is important, because if you care about something or someone at the at the to me, at the end of the day, you don't really want to harm them or hurt them. Now, nobody's perfect, but, you're, you know, why do you you can't say I care about you and all you you like, well, I don't care if it hurts their feelings or not. Then that means you don't care that's about it. That's, yeah. that's simple. But yeah. I'm sorry. Take it away. Yeah. Well, I remember from the five heartbeats. My man said, I thought you had your woman in check. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> no at, the, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, um, you know, like you said earlier, Damien, all women are different. And what I learned a long time ago is you have to be conscious of people being more interested in being heard than being right. Sometimes it's just a matter. Some people just want to get their point off, whether they're right or not, you know, and I'll just say this. The, the intangible wild card is emotions. That emotion thing is big. I'm not going to say who uses it all the time. I'm not going to say who owns the emotion card. I'm not going to say that. But I just happen to know there's a certain a group that can you that get emotional about things and that emotion can supersede rationale or logic when it needs to or when it has to N not pointing anybody out in particular and i ain't talking about nobody in particular <laughs> i'm just saying it's just that 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 so that could be a thing you know we could be arguing about what happened yesterday and then you like yeah but don't forget about 5 years ago when this happened and so people have that, you know, kind of that reserve tank when they need it, you know, whoever that person or those people may be. So I just think I think when it comes to couples, you have to learn, you have to have rules of how you argue. 
and there's yeah. certain lines you don't cross. I never forget. I saw a couple argue one time, and a woman was like, "I did it because I love you." Dude was like, "I don't love you. I haven't loved you since March." And this was like August. You cannot tell the woman that you haven't loved her since. Well, like you cannot tell the woman and document when you fell out of love with her. You cannot bring that up in an argument. Like that can't work. So I think you have to know. You have to know boundaries when it comes to arguing and communicating and how you deal with things. But when it comes to checking a woman. And she's grown and you're grown. Even the language of that sounds foul. Yeah. So you got to be very, yeah. very conscious of it. She's not a yeah. child and she'll let yeah. you know that. So you got to be, and usually guys are more physically imposing. So there's a way that you have to come and present yourself yeah. and things like that. So, you know, and I noticed one thing, young guys have a lot of bravado. When you look older gentlemen walking in the mall, they just want peace. They just want peace. <laughs> older the, the, the dudes, they just want peace. They don't want to. They want to stand. They just want peace. Thank right, you. Right, Thank you for saying it. That. I, I say yeah. it all the time. I rather peace over anything. Because right. imagine that feeling, like, oh my god, a peaceful day. How many of us get that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how many of us really get that once a week? And Damon, if she if she wrong and you win the argument and she be like, you know what, you sleep on the couch, then the dudes still lose. So. Yeah, that's what it is. If there, she sleep on the couch, way? the dude lose. I'm about to pull Demon into this. Demon oh, tap you oh, in. Uh oh. Is there a way to get the woman to sleep on the couch? Can we figure that out? We need Demon, aka Big Ron. Before on, you answer, what's before up? you answer, I'm just in advance, so we don't have to. <laughs> I just—it's just a question, right? All we doing is asking questions. We yeah. just have a conversation. You pull up tight, you fart on her ass, and put her head under the cover. <laughs> her ass will run right to that goddamn couch. That's what you do. You drink your good glass of milk. Some beans. Oh, so you Man, you just said drink oxtail gravy for the I, whole all, all afternoon. Night, all night. All night. <laughs> Eat some old curry goat, some curry, some curry chicken or some shit like that. You know you can't let this shit overnight. Just sit oh, hard ass out. Uh, yeah. Just let it go. Where I like it. it we need to find a way. We need a card or something. We can like look, bought this bed. You sleep on the couch. You think it'll ever work? <laughs> we gotta figure out one. There gotta be one. Can we ask AI? Chat GPT might figure it out for us. Like oh, we gotta figure something out. Sure I like the Jesus. bed. My bed it's sure good for said. my back. Sure said Jesus couldn't get his disciples to have dedicated listening. How could we get that with the opposite sex? Not realistic. Damn. Right. Damn. 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 You were biblical with it, man. Biblical that was vicious. God damn. Kelvin, you got you got a response for that? Get scroll, Kelvin. Go ahead. Get him. Uh, Get him, Kelvin. All I can say is a good point. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Got the damn red can't get disciples. Ooh. Oh man. So real quick, man. Listen, we've seen over the last few years a lot of makeover movies and stuff like that. Some of classes, some things I think should just be left alone. But they for people that don't know, they're coming out with the color purple. Um, this Christmas. Jamie, can you play the trailer, the clip for the, the color purple for us, please? Today, our teacher taught us about a place called Africa. She say our mamas come from Queens over there. That means that we royalty. <laughs> I don't You'd have loved me. Afternoon. I need me a wife. Even if we have to part, you and me, us have one heart. I 
Ain't got no kinfolk around these parts. All I had was my sister. <laughs> she was the only one ever loved me. I'm gonna hold my head up. I'm gonna put my shoulders back. It's time for you to see the world. There's gonna be some changes made. Put it on. This ain't me. Hush. We need to look like we belong. Let's see the smile and color. <gasps> Sweet and loving God. I have to say, I, I don't agree. I'm, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I, I'll tell you, it, it'd be like somebody telling me I'm about to redo Purple Rain. I'm about to just like, in other words, what I'm saying is I know people want to introduce these scripts to a new generation. And I did see Oprah as a producer. I did see Steven Spielberg as a producer, which I'm really surprised that every performance in the original was Academy Award winning worthy performance. Every single performance from Oprah to Whoopi to Danny Glover, everybody, I wouldn't touch it. I just wouldn't have touched it. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what the reason is. I had a professor. I took film appreciation in college twice. I had a professor. And my professor said, Hollywood doesn't write anymore. Hollywood doesn't come up with ideas anymore. I'm tired of them taking classic stories and just waiting time and then just re-releasing. And do. I mean, I saw him do it with Lion King. I saw him do it with this. I saw it's too many things. And I just don't agree with it. So I got so. I'm with you. Um, can we just call it lavender instead of the color purple and just you know what I mean? Based on the truth, based on the story. I, I feel like they don't they they want to live off the name. That was funny. That was funny. That was funny. <laughs> if you mention um I think that the remakes, the redoons, all that stuff is is just a cash grab because now they can market it under the same well-known name, well known with a with a following, people are gonna go see it. But I have to say this: I went to see the play the color purple with Fantasia in it. Fire. Like I might see it because they got Fantasia. And whoever did that is a genius. Because if they saw her on Broadway, they know what she do. And they were like, if we're gonna do this cash grab, we're gonna get her. But I thought gonna Broadway bring was a better play. I saw I saw both of the, the renditions on Broadway, and I think Broadway is different. And I think Broadway is when you take a movie and put it on Broadway, that's that's different. To me, yeah. what I'm saying is this the, the original. 
to me should oh, be yeah. untouched. I mean, they just well, they just do Space Jam. They just did House Party. In other words, leave some of this stuff alone. If they do it right, my thing is, is like you said, it's a cash grab, but it's a whole generation. Because I remember seeing Color Purple in the movies with a whole bunch of drug dealers, right? This is in the 80s. It was 20s. Now, you know, now it's like, think about it, that was like 30-something years ago. So they're going to catch they gonna catch all these young people, and it's a cash grab. I give it to you. But at least they got Spielberg, who's original. They got Oprah, that's original. I think, like, I agree with Damon a thousand percent on Fantasia. I ran, I was with some people last week that did the sound for her play and all that stuff like that. And the light, no, the lighting, and it said Fantasia was one of the best first people they ever worked with. And that, yeah. that, that's true, Jeez. Norette. It does look, it does look like that. Right. Uh, Norette is saying it looks right. like they took the movie in a Broadway yes. show and married them together. What I'm saying is this do me, that's what, a great I want you guys to tell me from the movie, what could you, but, but what could you improve upon from the movie? Um, you got I don't want to say it on air. Damn! Don't say. Don't we gotta say save it. We gotta save it for the for the for the for the paywall. The the the, the just, let's chop it up I, I after dark. I just, he, I just he's borderline. He's right on the leap. I know he's. I want. I want somebody to just write. Some, that's why I like the movie Get Out so much. It was an original thought. It was. Fun. I remember Fatal Attraction. Thirty years you know, from now, Get Out will be. Thought. We 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 in our eighty. They're gonna make Get Out again. Uh oh, your team. You know. You know what it's gonna be. <laughs> you know what it's gonna be. It's gonna be come back home. <laughs> and it's gonna be about a Thanksgiving dinner with where the where the natives welcome and forgive the white murderers. That's what's gonna be get out part two. You know what? Welcome I got back. another ah. list. Damien, I got another <laughs> list that we gotta do one week. Movies that shouldn't have had a sequel. Movies that shouldn't have, I mean, you could have let Jaws stand alone. You could have let Saturday Night Fever stand alone. You could have let some of these mm. movies just stay, stand stay, alone. Stay Grease. Stay, <laughs> they did a Grease too. Stay yeah. property, stay property. <laughs> Oh, State Property. That's a good one. That's a good one. State Property was fire, too. State Property, too. I was just... El Pollo Loco. She says, I'm tired of seeing... Oh, man, damn. She said, I'm tired of seeing abusive black men and gay women supplementing their needs over it. Damn. Yeah, I, I got to admit. So I will say this. I won't go see it in the movies. I won't do it. It's just not interested. I'll probably see it at some point out of curiosity, but fire I will not stick, go baby, to get you a fire stick. Yeah, I will not go pay to see it. I just, to me, it, it's one of the movies I just think they should leave some of this stuff alone. And this generation, who always constantly complains about the comparisons, then do something, then make something. This is everybody has, you know, creating content and stuff like that. Come up with some movies that are not rehashed. We just do that too much. Yeah. Come up with some original stuff. There's still stories so that haven't been told yet. So go ahead, Derek. I'm sorry. I, I no, I, I just, I just think I, I, I think we should just support it. You got another generation of actors and actresses coming up, man. You know who need a win. You know, and this one's kind of like up on the platform, man. Just you know, I think you know you go and check it out and give it a shot. You know, personally, but uh, but that's mm -hmm. just me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that original no. church scene, Suge Avery and what I don't see yeah. how you mess with it. I mean, I just I would leave that stuff alone. Man. It, they, they caught all these stars. The, if you look back at that movie, Lawrence Fishburne is in the band. Yeah. I mean, you just look yeah. at all these right. people, the emotions of like that. To me, you cannot recapture that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah. like I looked at Motown 25, then they had like Motown 40, and Jennifer Lopez was dancing for Motown. I mean, like, in other words, some stuff is a moment in time and just you right. cannot recapture it. And I think this is what's happening. They 
so there's there's a statement on the on the screen. The rest says there's plenty of new original mm-hmm. talent. Just just that old Hollywood is still in power and they can't see beyond their generation. I think there there is an appreciation for the original and a lot of original concepts and visuals and understanding. Like think about Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like they just came out with a bunch of movies a couple of years ago, and you know, but. I think it's because it's profitable and it's a business they're going to try to make money, the right. cash grab. To me, the real issue is when you when you have this new audience, you have this new talent, are you cultivating it? They're not. They just want to find something that they can grab and put in front of you. And that, to me, that's the real problem because I do think there is a lot of original talent. There's a lot of talented people, artists, singers, writers, all, all around the world. You can find it. But now if you don't, care to look and you just want the layup all the time you're going to take that route and those executives they're not going to look and Hollywood's about ask. to lay up Hollywood is about uh, uh, money yeah, it goes it's about space. money yeah it's like I any mean, other business man the, the purpose of business is to make more money you know what I mean so they're going to do what was 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 successful last time and try to recreate a formula and just yeah, kind of they, put it up here so you know of course that's what you're going to get I, and Derek, off their point, I think they're trying to create a formula because it's never their idea. It's no, never their concept. No, no. It's no. never their creation. They're just the money. So it's yeah. like, well, we we can't we can't think of this stuff. We can't create yeah. this stuff. All we can do is create this this structure in which and this formula in which we can take your stuff and put it into our and, system. And Dan, and what are you gonna that's do? That's one of the reasons why I'm, you know my business and, and you know what I mean the, that we talk that I will talk about in the future. But that's one of the main reasons why I'm building what I'm building now is because there has to be a point where people are able to now take their talent, their creativity, their original ideas and find a way to put them, put it out into the world in a way and on a platform that can be received the way it deserves. And David, what are we going to do when we see it? The first thing we're going to do is compare it to the original. Does this place well, play, yeah. play, you know, the, the, the Oprah's part as well as Oprah did? Whoopi's part as well as Whoopi did. You know, I mean, Whoopi and Fantasia, you know, have the similar look going into it. I see that. Oh, but <laughs> no, I, no, I'm, I'm not gonna say shit. Here we go. I'm just saying, I like, I, know, I, I get, I get, get the casting. I get the. Kelvin got the first scroll of the night. Is that the first scroll of the night? Yeah, yeah, man. Got he went from here. talking about his greatness. And being humble and having a speech prepared to, to, no, to disrespect and Fantasia, I'm, you can't do that. No, I'm not. I'm saying, in other words, you can see the casting was on par. Nope. But for for Sealy, um, you know, for what? Nope. <laughs> There's no Fantasia slander. We we just gonna set no. Some I, rules. I did. I th- you don't think that you don't think there was like a nope. casting? No, no. You know. I'm saying uh, no. Straight up. Oh, okay. Fantasia. Okay. Well, I thought I, I I was drawing some parallels, but no. What what I'm saying is that at the end of the day, I I, I would not have touched this man. I mean, I mean, why don't we do going with the wind? The the the, the, the 2020, 2023 version. Like, why? Like, where does it stop at? With who though? Like, who would you put in going with the wind? Would it be like Amanda Bynes and Britney Spears? Get, get, get Taylor like, Swift. Get Taylor Swift. Get Taylor anybody Swift. That's put. So what, what I'm saying is, at the end of the day, some of this stuff. Each generation should want something that represents their time. And what I'm saying is, if this generation, I mean, look at hip hop. If, if 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 the earlier beats was just taking people's beats from back in the day, and hip hop samples hip hop now, like somewhere along the line, that's why I love the, the Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Everything sounded like it was original. 
like the majority of that album sound like it was original beats. Like she just took, you know, those they produced it so well and something refreshing about that. And I just think we lost that. You know, I just think it needs to be a change and stop grabbing old things. I look at Eddie. Eddie needs to stop doing sequels. Just that let just let it yeah. let something breathe. Yeah. Bring up a couple of uh, comments in Tim, please. Like EOT has something. Yeah, some good ones. Sean says, is this this Weinstein or Epstein effect? Is Hollywood running out of money? Hmm. Yeah, good question. EOT says, George Lucas called Disney a slave driver. And a slave hmm. owner. Yeah. Direct yeah. says, this. now this is good. There's plenty of new original talent. It's just that all Hollywood is still in power and they can't see beyond their generation. All right. And it says they're too old and too tired to cultivate a new amazing formula. Schools of the arts are overflowing with incredible talent. So I have to say, remember, just to add on to her point, that they're not the ones who saw, found, or cultivated the talent. They're just the ones in the suits in the offices. You know what I mean? Usually it's the it's the it's the inspiring director or it's the the what ARs that don't exist in music no more, and at least yeah. in hip hop. They went out and found and saw people doing amazing things and was like, Look, you gotta find this person, you gotta sign this person, you gotta support this person and then they got it but there's no development no more they just want to find something but i i think it's not about them you can't focus on these people anymore you have to find another way there's too many outlets that you can remove the middleman so i think that that needs to be a bigger push for supporting the middleman so i I understand when derek says we got to give this a shot because i understand it i may not agree but i understand it because now if you start giving shots to the people who might be looking to find ways to to grow so they can go out on their own and push out the middleman, we got to build up our stars. We can't let them assign stars to us, right? We can't let everybody tell us who's the best. We choose the best in our communities. Yeah, I agree. Kelvin, even fashion, hairstyles, and music are remixed. Why should movies be any different? No, I, I think I think that that other stuff should be changed as well. And I do know fashion cycles. What I'm saying is somebody actually took the time out to write this script. Right. And so there was originally a book. Right. And then you had the movie. What I'm saying is there's certain things like I don't want to see another training day. You know, I don't want to see another fatal attraction. I don't want to see just with younger actors or something like that. To me, some things I think should be kind of encapsulated and preserved just to be great. That's the the purpose to me of a classic. You know, that's the reality. You know, can I ask you a question to that though? So, do you think it could be because a lot of younger, newer talents they are learning the business earlier, so they might be protecting their intellectual property. So now, if you own it. They can't, and you don't want to sell it to them. They might not be able to buy everything up the way they were at one point. You get what I mean? Like if if it's like, well, we'll just use the old IPs that we still own because you can't buy nothing else. <laughs> ERTs, you want to read yeah. it, Derek? She says, "Yeah, bring back." I say, "Bring back how the duck." Ah <laughs> uh, man, that's great. Look, we're almost running out of time. Real quick, we got one more preview. Um, Michael Jahai White. He has a movie coming out called uh, Outlaw Johnny Black. Jamie, can you play the clip for us? Here we go. We going. From the brothers who brought you Black Dynamite comes a brand new movie that's show out of sight. We've been gone for a while, but now we're back with a Western adventure. Call it out. Outlaw, Johnny Black. 
Niggas are rootin', tootin', six-gun shootin', romancin', praise dance, cliff jumpin', horse punchin', card dealin', land stealin', unruly and truly groovy kind of move. Put me down! He made Billy a key, took the eye from one-eyed Jack, he's a high plane drift. Ain't nobody swift than the couple, Johnny Black. As faith-based Western black exploitation, kung fu action, romantic comedy dramas go, it's right up there with the rest of them. <laughs> I'm going to see that. <laughs> we gonna do a whole. <laughs> we gonna we gotta do a whole review of that movie. That movie's gonna be fire. And if anybody disagree, just let's bet money. <laughs> you taking people money this time? Let's let's take. <laughs> Oh man, it's us at our best, our absolute. Well, I don't know, man. <laughs> Do you plan to see it? That's the question. Let's ask all everybody. All How y'all feel? All over it. Yeah, I'm, all I'm, over I'm, it. Gonna, I'm gonna go check it. I like, I like those silly kind of movies. Like, that. I mean, I, I grew up on the Dolomite era, and so that that's that's the attraction to me for this joint right here. Um, I like Michael Jahawa. I like him behind the scenes. I like the way he gets down with his business. I like the way him. And his there you go. Check it out. <laughs> Black exploitation mixed with a cheesy spaghetti western. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. That's perfect. Perfect. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. I'll stop. check it out. I'll check it out. You know what it is. Yo, so man. now, final question. What's the movie we gonna make? What what if we could remake a movie? If we could be like look, or we could come up with an original the idea. Movie what's is called what's... The Natives? And the first scene is about a guy who had a vending machine in his yard, right? And then the the vending machine when he come home is gone. All right, a, 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 like a thousand pound vending machine just gone. No, I, you know I, I what saw, real quick. I saw I saw some native shit real quick. Not to get off the subject, but I was watching the news today, and it's the mailman. These, these guys are watching the mailman. They try to rob the mailman. Ran across the lawn, and they said they got a, They robbed the mailman for the mailbox key, and it was driving off in a Mercedes Benz. I said, "Why are you robbing somebody and you driving a Mercedes Benz?" <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, Mercedes Benz was stolen. What what I found out was the only thing that keeps the USPS, the United States Postal Service, uh, kind of ahead or can, in competition with Amazon, all them, they have the keys to all those buildings. No one else has that. Amazon, all that, do not have to do open mail slot for a building. Only the USPS has that. That's the thing. So if you get that key. But whatever that route is, you can go to these buildings and open all that stuff like that. So that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> They're the natives from the creators of Producers of Friday, yeah, Cameos, right. Rice, Keep It Ice, and Chris Tucker. There we go. You know? So now I, I need to hear more about this movie. Where, like, how did, how did, how did, who took the, the, the vending machine? What was in there? Was it, was it Marlboro's? Newport's? No, Slims? no. It, it was a Red Bull vending machine. Okay. Marlboro. And the natives came in my yard. And, and now you need two men in a truck to take the vending machine. But that doesn't... Or crackhead. Or yeah. crackhead. Oh, yeah, that's true. Crackhead, that's true. Crackhead. A single crackhead. crackhead. That's true. They'll find so, a way. Took, 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 stole a vending machine. I mean, that's why my other book, We're Never Gonna Get Anywhere <laughs> as a People, coupled with, if you order now, my people don't know how to act. I want to set up something as a set. <laughs> just for something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, 
anyway, but brothers, this is a great night tonight. We had a lot of fun. I'm great. I'm Wait, D, you can't close out yet. You did not get a scroll. We got to keep the record going. Nah, nah, not tonight, Come not on, tonight, not tonight, Okay. Now we had a great guest on tonight, man. Strong brother, Excellent. man. Like we love what he's doing. Uh, Pete Michael out there in Philly, man. Keep doing what you're gonna do. Um, it was a great conversation. I'm looking forward to all the black movies. One thing you gotta say, at least we got black. We seen ourselves on screen. So that's the thing. Like there it's not the bad. Like, yeah, we didn't see us on the screen. But yeah. you know, it's a great night today, man. So, brothers, let's for the brothers, let's chop it up. Say peace, peace, and peace. Oh, oh.